Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Tyson Cheka. Hello. Tyson Cheka is an athlete and builder, focusing in designing obstacles and spaces for parkour. He helped to found Parkour Visions and served as its executive director for 10 years. Tyson is also the founder of Sturdy Made, an online community of parkour builders involving videos, plans, reference projects, and experiments. Welcome, Tyson. <laughs> Thanks. Sounds about right. Tyson, the title of your talk was, I love this, Nerdy Made, Foundations of Parkour Equipment Construction. And that seems obvious, but I think it deserves unpacking because it is not simply just using deck screws to put things together. So can you tell me a little bit about what your vision is and how that plays out in your presentation? Oh, a lot of it's about screws. You can't <laughs> you can't diminish the importance of screws. I mean, that's why the that's why the talk is called Nerdy Made, even though the the group is called Sturdy, Sturdy Made. Made. That when when we get together with other with other builders, we're spending so much of the time just going in depth about fastener types, what we like, what we don't like, and how 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 things fit together, how the forces interact with stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just it's like a way to talk shop, basically like as if you were within the same field as somebody else, mm -hmm. you know? And do you find that people who are coming to your session, do they have some basic level of understanding or do you encounter people who are just interested in the idea of becoming a builder? Uh, we get a little bit of a mix of both. Um, most of the people here at the Art of Retreat are, have already gotten a lot of experience. So we opened up and we did a lot of uh, group discussion and shared stories of things that worked, things that, things that didn't work for each, for each different person in their gym or their teaching program. Um, but we also get a lot of interest um, through, especially the Sturdy Made forums online, that people that have never you know, built anything before mm. will come in and be like, I love parkour, I want to do it more, and I'm going to mm, try to figure out how to, how to and make something like in my backyard or something yard, like right? that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. um, I, when I first started the group, I was imagining that it was going to be a rather small group just for my friends that were running gyms across the country, pretty much. And then it just exploded in, in popularity with just tons and tons of backyard builders and people coming in from all over the world. And I was kind of just blown away by, by the amount of interest that people had in it and how, how in-depth people were willing to go with it. So I was going to say, is there something about it that surprised you? So that's clearly one thing. Um, is there something that people generally do wrong? Because I'm guessing, like, I, I have a physics background, so I, I tend to put things <laughs> together overbuilt, but I'm just wondering, are there some common mistakes that people think that they can, oh, I can just go do dot, dot, dot? Yeah. Yeah. I've traveled around to like a lot of different gyms and facilities. And so I see like a, com a lot of common mistakes that come out of that. But I also just made the same mistakes when I got started. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty easy to point out. Uh, most people undervalue the importance of fastening the plywood to their structures really tightly. Mm. They worry more about what the framing design looks like um, than how they're actually attaching the plywood. Mm. And a big part of the, the talk today is, is about showing directly by like we're breaking stuff. Oh, actually, <laughs> showing, showing directly like how much plywood does because it is the thing that holds the structures together rigidly. It is the thing that takes all the shear forces. Mm. Uh, the, rest of the, the rest of the wood is there partially to just have something for the plywood to attach onto. Mm. But if it's not attached well, then the plywood is just sitting there as a, I, I originally thought that, you know, you put the plywood on so that you can 
touch it. Yeah, give me a place to And you foot. just kind of had to hang it from the frame or whatever. And then, you know, after my first few ball walks is broke, I was like, okay, <laughs> there's something, that I'm, something that, I'm, missing. that I'm missing here. Yeah, so. Do you find that there are particular types of obstacles that people coming to Sturdy Made are drawn to? Like, is there, like I said, I'm guessing the standard vault box is The vault is box one. is like the big thing. Like, people can usually figure out stuff on their own that they want to jump to as precision trainers or whatever but the vault box is is a larger build and to get into scale. generally the thing that people want to train on right and if they don't have a wall like that nearby or something like that for them to work with then, then it's the build. first thing that they want to build yeah have you taught it as a course before or is this the first time you've tried to glue it all together oh pun intended as a thing so i've done this presentation a few times before in the past i've geared it towards the more general audience that aren't necessarily gym builders. Okay. Um, so I took it to look well, so at the question I want to ask yeah. is, so you've done this presentation before and I'm wondering how is it different when you brought it here? Like what changes did you make because you felt you could maybe go in a new direction when you were here with this group? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming here with this group, I knew that I would have a lot of builders that were, that were here and running gyms, running experience programs. So I specifically wanted to do things that were more hands-on with that group mm. and specifically like test stuff and experiment with stuff because quite a lot of the, we have a lot of helpful people in the sturdy made group, but I know that just for me personally, I will get, I will get some kind of advice in my head and I'll give it over and over again, but I may not have actually ever tested that mm. advice. So I actually want to like, break down some of those some of those potential biases that we might have and, and see if they're founded in, in reality or not. So on one hand, I think the idea of building structures and designing outdoor spaces, well, even indoor spaces, but like designing parkour spaces, I can see the parallel like as you're creating a space in both cases. But I'm just wondering how did you how do you find yourself drawn to do you find yourself drawn to building obstacles versus building spaces or like does it wax and wane or like i'm just curious on what your personal journey has been yep. across those two topics yeah i i'm probably the most interested in the sort of portable obstacle design mm -hmm. theory for parkour um designing parks designing gyms designing things that are more permanent it's like you have one shot at it and <laughs> and it's going to be it's going to kind of accomplish what you want or not and then you might do that thing and you might get bored of it and it's it's always a challenge with parkour design to cram as much potential for a space as you can because you don't necessarily know all the ways that people are going to use it or want to use it right uh the benefits of having portable things is that they can change and morph over time as people figure out new ways to use them and new ways to mash them up against each other to create new challenges. Mm. And I've always been interested in the, in the sort of technical training end of parkour that's kind of on the outskirts of like, here's some really weird, small technical things. Right. And that, and that, that copes that. in really well with, with the portable stuff. So a lot of people, when they first start thinking about parkour gyms or, or thinking about their program, they think like, well, I don't really want to be able to adjust everything because that doesn't feel like right. parkour to me. The ethos you know? was go outside and find the yeah. environment, right? Um, but I'm fairly lazy, and I don't necessarily <laughs> good, right? am going to move the stuff. Right. Like, if it's a challenge, it's a challenge. So, like, I would come to the gym after classes had run, and the obstacles would be all over the place. 
some of them connected for some kind of purpose of a line, mm. some of them not necessarily connected. That's where they drug it out of the way, right? Yeah, two different <laughs> classes or whatever. And I would just train on that. Mm. And that's the same as finding a found environment, right. basically, right? right? That's not, literally I'm a found not, environment. Yeah, I'm not setting it up for me. And I have the potential to move stuff, but I'm also stubborn. And I'm, <laughs> if there's a challenge I want to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, keep working at it and not necessarily make it easier for myself. I'm wondering if you're outlook or your perspective on gym design would agree with the following um all um, i haven't been in a million different parker gyms but i've been mm -hmm. in a bunch and they're predominantly built spaces um and then there's always you know there's different themes some are brick and concrete some are you know wood yeah. um but they're basically fixed and i'm wondering what you're if you would agree that there should be a lot more emphasis on the dynamic type of space where like built obstacles built obstacles but they're movable they're blocks they're vault boxes or things they hook together they come apart they move around i'm just wondering what your thoughts are on the importance of that within a parkour gym yeah i think it's hard to say that there should be more um because it's it comes down to different training styles a lot of times like you may have a group or community that builds a very specific environment uh, say like tall pillars and big jumps in between mm -hmm. them and big yeah. cliche swings or something right. like that. And the other kids build Barville, right? <laughs> and and yeah, that's very different from from a really slanted wall environment with a dense bar structure and lots of things on the floor to like to navigate through or land on. And the the training styles in the community is is just different and their classes are gonna be different. And so I think like it's not necessarily that you should have this type of obstacle or this type of obstacle. It's is what are the potential for where your classes can go? Mm -hmm. Are you able to meet your students where they are and progress them through what your what your program entails? And your obstacles are, are set up to to enhance that basically. Mm -hmm. And then on the side that's not the classes, on the side that's just sort of personal training is it's if you're still in, inspired by by the space mm -hmm. right and having having some movable movable stuff that can that can change and morph is one way to do that another way to do that is also just you know renovating and rebuilding right. different areas or the things or that weren't that totally look permanent stuff. they're not yeah. <laughs> right yeah portable obstacles are are like at least three times as difficult to build um time-wise money-wise even material-wise sometimes right. it's much much easier to have a contractor come out and build you walls because they've done that before yeah. than it is to build this thing that can be flipped over in any direction and can take impact from any direction and and won't break down over over your use of it and, right yeah tyson given your obvious background and extensive design experience creating both mobile and um, permanent spaces mm -hmm. is there something that you think would cause people to change the way they think about what they're doing or challenge them to try a new experiment and just ways to get them to shift their perspective a little bit? One of the things that I was really surprised by when I noticed it was how much having things be really sturdy and stable changes the way that you train on them or consider them. Um, it's a lot of vault boxes are easy to tip. I mean, it's just kind of the shape of it. If once you get to a certain height, it's going to it's going to be fairly tippy and i would watch people change the way that they were approaching that obstacle and i would kind of change the way that I was approaching that obstacle because i knew i couldn't do like a running precision to the top of it without it falling over or something like that um but i didn't think it was necessarily that big of a deal because it was like 
well, I'll just do Kongs on it. I'll just do these other things, right? There's tons of other stuff that I can use this obstacle for. Mm-hmm. I just might not be able to do this and that. And it didn't really enter my headspace all that much. But when we would weigh things down or secure them for, for competition or something like that and make it make it like super rigid or whatever, I would notice that just I felt so much more free on it in doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I would do something without thinking about it and I would go back and be like, oh, I would normally not do that in this environment. Like that's not something that I would think of in this environment because sort of subconsciously I would, I would know to hold back right. um, because I don't want stuff to move underneath me or right. whatever. And it's that sort of thing that makes it really tricky with, with parkour obstacles is that you, we adapt to the spaces that we're in. We adapt really well right. to the spaces that we're in. And so you don't necessarily know what's missing or what might change when that space changes or improves in some way. So I feel that you, you really need to continually challenge yourself in coming up with new ideas or trying out new things because you will be extremely surprised sometimes by how much potential it offers up. If you have a gym that has all straight vertical walls and you introduce a slanted wall to it, it blows your mind sometimes. Mm. Like, it's amazing. I love slanted walls now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't that many outside, and right. having the ability to put one inside in any in any place, yeah. like, drastically changed the way that I trained and the things that I like. Mm. Uh, is there something that you want to bring up that I haven't gotten anywhere near? Mm. It can be... I mean, you can, like, so I love, personally, I love stories. I love to get people to tell me stories. Um, so it could be like, you know, you can tell like a back in the day story from the beginning of PKV. You can tell stories about, you know, things where you have to leave the names out for the protect the guilty. You can tell mm. stories about uh, most spectacular, you know, equipment failure that you've walked away from or like lessons learned from those kinds of things. Um, it'd probably be better if there was a takeaway for the outside world, but no takeaway. Laughter is good takeaway too. Um, <laughs> um, we didn't have all that many obstacle failures, uh, which I feel really lucky about because I feel like we push the push the bounds right. every day, pretty much on on what what we could do with these obstacles. I would build something, and I would build it to be super strong in this way, and immediately the coaches would flip that upside down and like <laughs> try to attach it to a wall or something like that. And I'm like, oh, wait, that wasn't really. I didn't think about that. <laughs> doesn't yeah. and so you know I, I started just overbuilding everything so that we could use it in in any any possible way and um but even with that people would push the boundaries on oh let's connect these two pieces together and and whatever so so i would always expected that that we would have some kind of pretty pretty severe failure but you just you get you get good at testing stuff out and you get you get good at um gaining an intuitive understanding of the of the physics that are that are involved mm-hmm. and that was a big part of of what my talk was on is how do we how do we kind of be more intentional about learning that aspect of that so that you feel comfortable saying like okay yeah this setup is going to be safe for this for this group mm-hmm. or or it's just it's an acceptable level of safety because there's always going to be concerns with it right and things that you'll have to that you'll have to work around or think about do you notice that I'm I'm wondering, do you notice that beginners benefit even more from really well built obstacles like where you were talking before about people with a certain level of experience like auto adapt subconsciously to this is Tippy McVault box, I'm not gonna do this or that. Yeah. 
And then do you find like beginners who wouldn't have that as an actual adaptation ability, but it would probably still weird them out if the thing wobbled? Did you find that the programs run better when, I mean, aside from injury, you know, aside, mm -hmm. but do they run better when the stuff is just bomber every which way? It's an interesting question because I think from a beginner standpoint, it doesn't particularly matter to them what like the course that they're running through is like on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, partially, I think some of the reasons that we had such interesting obstacles and ways for them to fit together and courses that got built out of them was because we had incredibly creative coaches. Mm, that's a good point. And, and athletes. Advanced and athletes, athletes. And they were all people that, that did parkour, right? If we had a lot of people that were teaching our programs that weren't heavily into parkour or heavily interested in that, they would have set up a lot more boring things. And we still would have gotten the skills across. Like, it's not particularly hard to teach the skills of parkour. I don't at least think it is. Like, we could teach a Kong vault in, in a day, not, not really an issue to, to most people. Um, but it's, it's the concept of parkour and it's the tying together of all the movements that's, that's difficult to portray. And that, I think, it really depends on the experience of your coach. Uh, and a good coach can set up a really interesting and unique and challenging course with tape mm. and chalk and yeah. a couple of whatever stuff they find around them, right? Mm -hmm. It's like that, that, that's what marks a good coach. So for me, having the gym be variable and interesting and bomber and, and super sturdy was more about um, allowing our students to have that opportunity to, to move stuff around and to set up things that they might want to work on coming into open gym or something like that. I wanted the I wanted the kids to be able to potentially move certain obstacles by themselves to be able to set up stuff mm. that they wanted to do and for it to still be, you know, good enough right. for them to be able to use it. And I wanted the environment to feel like different or inspiring every time right. they came in. So they come in and it's like, whoa, that's in a different place. That's really weird. Let's try let's try jumping around on that. Because I feel like that's one of the big one of the big reasons that people will drop out of a parkour program is it's like okay i've learned a lot of the basic skills i can i can do the done kong i've I can, done everything here I've done, right? like i wanted to learn the kong and the backflip and i got them um right. now what and if you haven't instilled in them a love for for the more intricate elements of parkour then you know you'll lose that person a lot of times mm. and I, I think the environment plays a huge role in that uh, you want an environment that somebody can walk into and be like inspired to move, not necessarily like inspired to learn. I feel like you really want them inspired to move. You want that. You want that play aspect to it. Mm. And so, trying to trying to create spaces that are just really interesting to the eye and draw you to to like, I bet I could climb that thing over there and be like, it's totally okay if you could just go climb that thing over there. Go try it. <laughs> It's incredibly powerful. So now I'm wondering, can I build good obstacles? Um, can I create a built space if I'm not a good coach? So I'm, I'm, there's certainly a construction skill set and a construction eye for stability and physics and shear forces. Yep. But I'm wondering, just because I can physically build something that's sturdy, I'm wondering, that doesn't seem like that would be sufficient for me to be able to build good structures. Yeah. Well, it depends on what the goal of your program is too. Because if you're building a gym that's going to be sustained on classes, 
then yes, you definitely have to come at it with a coach's mindset. Because it's not just what obstacles do we have in our gym or what skills can we teach in different areas. It's how many classes are we going to be teaching at a time? Where are those classes going to be? How are they going to interact with the space? Are they going to be crossing in okay. front of each other? How do we, do we have enough places yeah. for people to line up and actually get in a line without having to like clamber over stuff while mm. they're in it? Are there sight lines to the coach? Or are we going to be hidden in this corner mm. and have risks of crossing other people or just not being able to see the coach, right? Like all of those things have to be taken into account when you're setting up your space. Um, there are probably some spaces that were just built, though, to be the private, private playgrounds of the people that run them, right? Maybe they're more open gym focused. They're not necessarily going to rely on class income. And they, you know, build whatever they want to, to train on. And that's, that's totally acceptable, too. But you have to identify what the intentions are as you're starting a program. And that will influence your entire design and mm. everything around it. Is there anything about the Sturdy Made community that surprised you or that you, like it has a clear purpose and I, like it has an obvious, I would expect to find this, this, and this there, but is there anything yeah. else about it that sort of grew up? You're like, oh, I didn't expect that feature to be so important or so popular. Yeah. So much of the Sturdy Made community surprised me as it, as it developed mm -hmm. and as it continues to develop. Um, one of the most surprising things is potentially just how helpful everyone tends to be on the forum like mm -hmm. i had to do some moderation and kind of setting it up and, and kind of setting the culture a bit and right. getting people to play nice together <laughs> but that was that was just like early days general forum stuff like i came into parkour when we when, only had right, forums, forums so, were a thing. so I, you know i'm used to that um but with that initial setup like people really like to just share what what works for them like it's because there are so many because it's such a strong diy community hmm. um it's so easy to get to get feedback to get like uh different advice from different people like it may not always be the best advice and you might find like like a couple different options for for what you're going for but the the supportiveness of the community was just was just amazing hmm. Like, um, I give a shout out to, to, to Dan from, from the monkey vault and like, he actually like myself now, I guess he doesn't really check social media all that much. Like he puts like one day in his schedule, maybe to check social media, but he told me like he would have sturdy made, give him notifications. It was like the only thing allowed to give him notifications because <laughs> he was interested in the stuff that would come up and, and he would, and he would make available his expertise to other people. And that, that was really surprising to me because I didn't, I didn't have to push for that at all. That was, that was people coming to the group being like, oh, that's a cool thing you're doing. There me, really me, was a need me, for that space that you created, yeah, right? Let me, let, me, let me share this experience that I've had. Um, and that was just awesome. Just super great. So definitely join the community. It's on Facebook. Facebook, just search for Sturdy Made. Sturdy Made. Yeah. Uh, and where, so where else can people find you personally? Like do you, uh, Insta, are you on Instagram or I, I'm, are you anti-social media as I am? Or do you, do you want them to email you or have you just turned all of your focus? It sounds like you've turned all of your focus to the community, which sounds great. I, I, I'm pretty, I don't know. Um, as I get older, <laughs> as I get older, I get off a lot more social media. I, I have them all. Um, and I check them mostly of the time, but it's, uh, it's, it's not the same drive as it was for me in the past. Um, people can join the, the, 
Sturdy May Group on Facebook, like I don't think Facebook is the best platform for it in the long run, but I don't think there are any other potential options. Um, but joining that will get people involved in in where it might go in the next, you know, in the next while. Uh, people can get to me. I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's just Tyson Checa, my name at Tyson Checa. Um, you can also get to my direct email, Tyson at Checa dot me, uh, which is a pretty simple one. Um, I'll be doing putting together some more promotion for myself uh, in the future with with websites and stuff. Um, I want to do more traveling to other gyms and established um, teaching programs to do builds for them. I think it would be really fun to to do some more to do some more traveling and specifically do like just interesting, unique yeah, problem solving, right? Yeah, crazy stuff out there. So I'll be putting up some details of that and spreading it out that people can look forward to for, for how they can get to me and bring me out for stuff like that. Terrific. Well, thank you very much, Tyson. It was a pleasure to get that chance to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, it was great talking to you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.